This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Quick disclaimer for a podcast, the SOS show, points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. The host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. You must seek professional help in case of any requirement. Thank you. 15 years of interacting with Vedic gurus, oriental masters, lamas, everything that I could possibly envy is what our guest for today has done. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the SOS show with me, Sajita. And today we have with us Sandeep Nath. Sandeep Nath is the founder of Renewalism. He's an IIT IIM alumnus. He founded and ran a successful strategy consulting company before heading to the Himalayas in search of the purpose of life and what drives our energetic consciousness. And as a coach, he has taken the sacred wisdom of our inner power to more than 46 cities spread over four continents. He's authored two books, the name of one I immensely like, and it's called Arrive at Success. Enjoy the banter. Hi, Sandeep. Welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show. And thank you for taking our time and being part of this conversation. Hi, Suchita. It's such a pleasure to be here with your listeners. I'm waiting to have this talk with you. And uh, I hope our listeners really, really enjoy this conversation. Sandeep, your experience, you know, in the corporate world and then getting out of it and starting your own personal journey of trying to find deeper things in life and then coming back and giving it to the corporate world and everybody else around. To begin with, Sandeep, tell me your experience with consciousness and when did it strike you to get deeper into it? Oh, that's a biggie to start. (laughs) You don't believe in starting small. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, Sujita, I will uh, take you back about 15 years when I was running a consulting company. And um, Mm -hmm. that's the time when I was totally like stressed out. Uh, I was financially stressed, relationship wise, physically, mentally. And uh, not only because of the way that I was running my business, but also because of what we seem to be doing in business, uh, what my clients seem to be doing. Uh, We seem to be creating more problems than we were solving. (laughs) 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 And and that somehow just didn't agree with me, you know, at um, multiple levels. So I was on the lookout for what is the purpose of uh, our lives and how are we taking the next generation uh, forward? Because if we're going to have them eating out of packets and if we're going to have them uh, working in the nights, that's completely against the natural order of things. So that can't be the the right thing to do, even though all the BPOs and all the consumer product companies are uh, promoting that. And I'm on that side of the problem. Hmm. That got me started on understanding what is human consciousness about, because this is something that was challenging our consciousness. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, it took me to Vedic gurus. It took me to Tibetan lamas. I spent months in the monasteries in the Himalayas. And that's what I'm now bringing back, having distilled that kind of stuff for 15 years, because I kind Hmm. of have the solution side of things. And that's the side I'd like to be on. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. Sandeep, you know, I have been hearing that in the last couple of years, we have been talking a lot about consciousness and we've been talking about how we operate mostly from our subconscious mind, which is already programmed 70% of us throughout the day and the remaining, which is the actual conscious mind. We do not use it much, you know, which is what comes, which is from where the whole habits of our functioning, our choices, our life emerges from. If you had to define consciousness and the inner line, how would you say, how would you, how would you put that across to our listeners? That's very interesting. You see, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether many of our listeners are aware of this book called Renewal, which I had written, which is all about consciousness. It's about the renewal of human consciousness. But the way that uh, I'm going to tell you now is the way that that book kind of starts um, in the sense of describing consciousness. 
And that is something like when you're in the womb of the mother, you have no idea what's at the end of the tunnel. But you've got certain signals from out there that tell you that uh, you you will be cared for. It will be a completely different world which you're not prepared for. But in the womb, you are so happy. You are so... It is all around you. It is all of you. It is all you. And that is consciousness. It's like all around us, all of us, and it is us. So... Another way of describing it is uh, through the analogy of a fish, like in the water, <laughs> it can't tell what the water is. It can't tell the taste of the water. It is the water in a sense. And uh, that's what consciousness is all around us. So now for the scientific mind, we've got this term energy. Energy is matter, matter is energy. Einstein's got an equation for it. And everything is energy. So consciousness in one word is energy. Mm -hmm. Should I go into the conscious, subconscious part of it uh, that you touched upon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So, you know, within the the energetic framework that we live in, and I say this because of all these 15 years I've been telling you about uh, working with energy and uh, consciousness, Mm -hmm. we are living at three levels of uh, existence and that's body, mind and spirit. Now the body kind of relates with the conscious mind. That's the mind with which we plan, with which we have our logic, our strategy and uh, all the decisions we take, all the thinking we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the subconscious is our uh it's called the heart mind in Taoist uh, and Tibetan context, mm-hmm. which is like the heart. So if the first one is the brain, let's say the second is the heart. So you're getting lower mm. in the body. Mm. And, and this is the one where we've got our feelings. We've got our emotions. We've got, like you rightly said, we operate out of the subconscious mind because we are, we're programmed that way from the early age when we're catching our uh, uh, signals so to say, uh, of how to live life. So mm. up to the age of seven, let's say, we're just absorbing everything. Mm. And we, we are uh, building our subconscious bank. Mm. Then we're kind of experimenting with the subconscious bank for the next seven years. And we develop our likes and dislikes and things like that. And then why the teenage years are called the rebel years are because then we are... Uh, testing them out you know you've done experimentation and then you want to rebel you want to test okay how far can i drive this thing Mm. so so then we kind of firm up for after the age of 21 that okay this is my subconscious program and this is how i'm going to live my life Mm. so that that kind of then all our conscious decisions are uh, based on that subconscious base Mm. what's possible what's not possible what our limiting beliefs are and blah 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 Hmm, hmm, hmm. Sure. But sure. at the third level, there is an unconscious mind. And hmm. that comes from the spirit and that comes from a mind stream that we are born with, uh, which, which is uh, uh, what we call the karmic mind stream. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that you, you also brought up the subject of habits, which is so integral and so undervalued and so less talked about or understood in modern society. But we've known that for thousands of years. You see, the word uh, karma hmm. is the Sanskrit for action. Hmm. And action is your habit. Whatever you're, you're, you're actively doing in this life is your habit. And as you, as you concretize your habits, you just take them across in your karmic imprints, in your unconscious mind. And you unconsciously behave in certain ways. There are kids who are unconsciously uh, so good with the piano or so good with apps because they've just had that habit imprint from earlier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it just uh, works at that level of energy where there's no explaining it also. It's not, it's not something that's come out of this life. It's come from earlier. Hmm. Right. Right. And we, we've got to navigate through with all three. Go on. 
navigate through all three so we're talking about conscious subconscious and unconscious mind so uh i'm going to come back to this when we're talking about mental health and corporate mental health and governing it but continuing with the conversation of your experience your 15 years of interaction with the vedic gurus and the oriental masters and the lamas if you would like to sort of you know uh, give a bit of that experience to us in terms of how different were this were the teachings when it came to vedic gurus or the lamas or it all came to one point which is conscious living uh, but the 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 ways of doing that was different if you would like to describe for example what happened when you met the vedic gurus it is all converging at one point and hmm. that's uh, a convergence that we have known ever since we have existed that the power is within us hmm. it's the inner power that defines our outer reality Mm. a connection with our inner power is what comes through various modalities and uh, those modalities can be explored differently with different techniques of uh, pranayama and pranic healing and kundalini yoga on one side and qigong and reiki and uh, daoist principles on another side mm. and uh, zen living and you know they are just methodologies to arrive within hmm hmm whether it's shamta vipassana right. yes the yes. thing is how much are we as a modern society valuing what we've got inside us we are so distracted with what's outside us and all the investments that we make all the uh, billions and billions of dollars that are being spent are all being spent in reaching faster and uh, faster outside of us hmm. like today we can we can connect with anybody halfway across the globe in a flash uh, over a whatsapp video let's say yeah uh maybe uh, 100 years ago we could connect with our neighbors on the other side of town in half an hour with a car which would have hmm. otherwise taken a day's walk you know hmm. so all our all our investments from the automobiles to technology are all oriented towards going outside better and better but how about going back inside better and faster that's mm-hmm. that's that's where the next revolution is going to come in Mm, very interesting so that's that's the future going inside at a you know maybe at a, maybe you know we can measure that that's that's something that I'm constantly asking i don't know how how fast am i going you know uh something which is hypothetical you know but um would you when you're talking about enhancing the inner power sandeep and and perhaps that being the future where do you see the technology versus an individual coming in uh are you working towards it uh that's definitely going to define the future of mental health as well you know as we move forward so a couple of uh, a couple of uh, uh pointers or impactful things that you would like to talk about in this space uh, awesome so that that is what companies have to start understanding that they need to focus on because uh, we we have gone through the last uh, two decades uh, of building tech driven processes i mean ever mm. since tech started becoming uh, the panacea mm. uh, say over 30 years ago uh, information technology especially mm. we we've started riding on that and then uh, bringing it into mobility devices and everything you know but we have not uh, found out how that connects with our inner potential mm. so what uh, on on one hand what companies can start looking at uh, doing is exploring this pot- potential uh, within and the only way to do it is by empowering people and so people have to get into the mode where they are uh, able to uh, find the freedom to connect within and how are you mm. going to do that yeah 
that wow. is that is where we we need a serious revamp of how we look at renewing our processes through renewal of people by the kind of habits that we encourage them to create so those habits will start moving us inwards let's say uh, a lot of a lot of companies are doing lip service to this uh, and that's a good start like mm. getting uh, workshops on mindfulness or meditation or things like that uh, moving mm. Mm. but they're more more like checklist activities right now yes. not for the culture yes so bringing them in the culture will then get the people to explore how to uh, go deeper and mm. uh, revamp the the final products that they come up with to be of a, a different level of consciousness to be of a different uh, kind of impact that they have on their uh, consumers and on the user base mm very interesting very interesting so this is this is actually the future the enhancing of the inner power people uh in the coming generation is going to be so thankful to what kind of uh, fundamentals and the base is being set up for them if this sort of goes at a at a at a good pace uh what is your what is your understanding do you because you have been a uh, part of corporates and we're going to be coming to that and why you quit and you know you went to an inner journey uh do you think that sandeep we are going at a good pace uh to get this uh part of the culture in the next in the next uh say 5 years or a decade <laughs> i certainly hope so <laughs> no. okay your laughter is not saying that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know sushita you you brought up the aspect of mental health and mm. um, i told you 15 years back my mental health was going for a toss because of this mm. because the the foundation of mental health is mm. clarity and clarity of what clarity of what we're doing what is what we're doing it's called purpose mm. now mm. when we find that we've got these 20 somethings who are just entering their career and they have no uh, purpose but for uh, solving some silly credit card problem of somebody who ought not to have had that problem in the first place mm. that's that's not a purpose for life so we mm. we cannot be building corporations on this and expecting uh, you know all we're expecting is that people are automatons and they are temporary uh, temporarily present there till uh, automated device actually replaces them and that's what's happening so people are going to be losing jobs hugely in the next in this decade because they just replaced by a robot or or mm. a voice driven device mm. Mm. now what's mm. going to happen to mental health at that point in time is going to be catastrophic because they have not been ingrained with the way of developing purpose either for self or as part of an organization there is there is no plan on that and so this this is going to have catastrophic implications not on the necessarily on the commercial side of uh, business but definitely on the people side of humanity so mm-hmm. we are talking way beyond business here we are talking about humanity here mm-hmm. and we we've got to right now in this decade get people to start uh, exploring that whatever they doing they do it with Uh, a clear sense of intent a clear sense of why am i doing this whether i'm doing it for myself or i'm doing it for the company what's the purpose mm. what's driving this and this is this is three letter word why is much bigger than uh, some of the longest uh, words in the in, in any language mm. it's, it's a mm. very big word so we've got yeah, to start yeah. uh, focusing our uh, efforts as a humanity not only as business on on the why of uh, uh, everything and uh, that is where aspects of mindfulness come in that is where we ch- start changing our uh, thinking patterns and mm-hmm. the only way you can start changing your thinking patterns when you're mindful when you're aware of what is my thinking pattern i am an automaton i am a mindless uh, yeah. carrier of whatever is given to me yeah yeah which which is not mm-hmm. empowering 
Mm-hmm. This this beautiful point, Sandeep, you mentioned that developing purpose for themselves and for the organization is something that we have not, uh, you know, it's not part of the culture. And because it's not part of the culture, the future generation, it's, it's equally, it's going to be in trouble because, as you said, they might face a lot of issues if once the machine takes over and we're not we're not used to we're not used to seeing these things so they're not so mindfulness comes in so when we're talking about this tell me sandeep how do we start incorporating when you're talking about mindfulness how do we start incorporating it and from what level do we start it and and where do you come in the picture when you talk, when we talk about corporate mental health so it starts with the individual and like uh, everything it starts with the individual understanding why it's important and mm-hmm. then getting into doing certain things that make the what uh, is to be done uh, very clear and then building a habit around that so that the how of it becomes natural mm-hmm. so the 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 eventually if we are doing anything anything at all which has become a second nature we've crossed these three uh, milestones the why the what and the how usually the why is because of external circumstances the boss says so the client says so the circumstances are like that so i have to do it but mm. here when we're talking about working with our inner power the why is very very individual let's say just broadly why must i get more mindful so i must get more mindful so that i am in greater control of my emotions i understand that my emotions are costing me right if i get angry i lose a relationship if i get fearful i lose time if i get overwhelmed i uh, get stressed i i may even have a heart attack right so i understand that all these things are arising from emotions and if i am mindful which means i am very closely remembering what's going on with me then i would be able to track where i lie on this emotional uh, scale and be on the be on the right part of the scale at all points in time because that's what i will learn to do and then how would i do it well i would do it by understanding that there is a, a method to developing that mindfulness but which which is by widening the gap between what we think and what we do hmm. if we if we for example are in the habit of immediately saying what we think hmm. thoughtlessly you know i mean thoughtlessly means you don't you don't think about it it just comes to your mind and off your tongue hmm. you often bite your tongue you repent it later <laughs> you say oh man <laughs> but if we can extend that because the tongue moving is something you do that's physical it's yeah. a habit yeah and if you if you can just control your tongue like they say you know you can it's actually uh, what they're saying is you widen the gap between the thought arising and the tongue moving with it hmm hmm so then your your talk changes your self talk also changes and that creates all the difference Mm-hmm. so very interesting sandeep the in terms of in terms of defining it with more clarity because of course there's a lot of material on the internet and i personally am you know too much into it as well but as you said you know why must we define that the reason why we should be mindful uh, what's our why so uh, do you do, do you see because you are uh, also part of the corporate world trying to make them you know coach them uh make them understand uh, in terms of mindfulness mental health mental well-being do you do you scale it do you see the that you can measure at what point do we actually understand what is mindfulness versus you know uh, implementing uh, what mindfulness is i am building measures with the companies that i'm working with so that mm. we have empirical data mm. of the impact of habits because ultimately uh, what 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 is done is the habit that's that's mm. where it enters the physical level people can think anything but mm. unless they do something about it it doesn't uh, produce any result right mm. 
So when we uh, work with the companies, we look at a change in habits of a certain section of uh, people, mm-hmm. resulting in let's say thirty six percent increased engagement, forty three percent reduced sickness, fifty three percent reduced absenteeism. Eighty-six hmm. percent better team relationships, quarter on quarter, hmm. 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 and that's that's proof that you know the habit arose because the action changed. The action changed because the thought changed, and there was the individual's um, uh, effort in widening the gap between the thought and the action. Hmm. so because the individual is mindful so when the individuals were doing that then suddenly we are finding that these uh, these figures are appearing they're getting healthier they're getting happier they're getting more in harmony hmm. and uh, that's resulting in uh, better uh, productivity performance and profitability hmm. a couple of things off hand that you know uh, just for our listeners one or two things uh, that they can do to make them mindful with what would you suggest is it meditation like 5 10 minutes focusing on the breath how 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 do you how do you design that great practical tips okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's get on with it so yeah. you know that that's that's really good because um, two things that uh, each one of us can do without any extra time hmm one is that we can uh, every hour set an alarm on our computers or on our mobiles just it goes off ping ping every hour mm-hmm. and we stop whatever we are doing mm-hmm. and breathe in consciously for 30 seconds we just breathe in and feel the air go in feel the belly come out as we breathe in and then push the air back like like you know you seen some of those yogis do it uh, they just push the air all the way into the belly mm-hmm. and uh, they kind of <laughs> touch their uh, uh, spinal cord hollowing yes. the belly and mm-hmm. all the air is expelled so mm-hmm. not not to do it like a yogi but that's uh, i just wanted to give a visual uh, connotation to this So mm. when you expel the air that's how you expel it when you inhale you inhale like a baby you know like the abdomen goes up and uh, the air uh, fills the lungs fully yes that would take about 5 seconds to inhale and 5 seconds to exhale so i'm just talking about three such cycles 10 10 10 seconds mm. 30 seconds when we do that what happens is we do a pattern dis- interrupt it's a, it's a disrupt hmm and we actually oxygenate ourselves consciously hmm. now it's doing two things one is it's extremely healthful because uh, studies uh, all over howard stanford have shown that uh, cancer cells also are countered by increased oxygenation all sorts of inflammatory disorders are uh, countered by um, better oxygenation of the cells and this is what you're then doing at least 10 times a day consciously mm-hmm. you know just three breaths is good enough mm-hmm. the second thing that it's doing uh, is that you will observe when you do it uh, we we won't do it right now on this podcast but <laughs> i would encourage everybody to do it immediately after the podcast you mm-hmm. will observe that you are in a different state of calm and it's mm-hmm. just three breaths that can bring you into that state lovely so that's that's the uh, the the mind level of what changes because if you are every hour resetting your calm then you're not likely to fly off the handle uh, very very quickly mm. you know it's it's only when uh, a certain emotion gets uh, triggered again and again and again uh, without a pattern disrupt yeah then that emotion gathers weight and then you really feel down in the dumps or really inflamed or really mm. paranoid but mm. it takes time but if you disrupt it every hour then it will not reach that level mm. so it's good for the body it's good for the mind and it's mm. great for the spirit because then you are um, actually 
do, doing what it takes to be mindful. You are aware, you are remembering that, boss, this is what I set out uh, to do. And um, so, so you're, you're developing the mindfulness muscle, so to say. Mm, lovely, lovely. I love this. I love this whole conversation. Before just, um, you know, pushing a bit in more on the corporate mental health, uh, I just want to sort of talk about your the mindfulness bit a, a bit more here, just, just a couple of steps. But Sandeep, I still fly off in terms of at times losing myself, you know, uh, like not this noise irritating me that's, that's coming across the road and not able to work. Right. Why? And, and I know the pattern and I know my patterns. But despite that, I'm not able to control things at times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Suchita, again, anything that we can change, if we want to change a result of anything, we have to mm-hmm. go back to the habit that is producing it. I'll say that again. If you mm-hmm. want to change the result for anything, you have to go back to the habit that's producing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, uh, in, in the book Renewal, I refer to the T-B-H-A-R spiral, which is thoughts, behaviors, habits, actions, mm-hmm. and results. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, between the thought and the result, at the center is the habit. And then, of course, you've got behaviors that lead to the habits and actions that come out of the habits. Hmm. Now, why this is important is because the habit is the first thing that you do physically. So, I would like you to physically, uh, maybe before you go to bed every day, right? Mm -hmm. Keep a keep a notepad next to you Mm -hmm. and a pen, Mm -hmm. and with your hand write down Mm -hmm. the events that happened in the day, Mm -hmm. which set you off. Okay, it could be one, it could be five, it could be maybe more than five also, but you remember only three. Whatever you remember of that day. Because what are we doing? We are getting ourselves accustomed to a habit of recalling what set us off. Right? And then I would like you to just make two columns. In the first column, you've written this. In the second column, write down whether it was something that you could control or you could not control. So you write a C if you could control and an N if you could not control. Mm-hmm. All right. So like, for instance, we've got this uh, noise happening since morning, uh, as you mentioned in your mm-hmm. uh, uh, apartment, mm-hmm. which is not allowing mm-hmm. you to think right. Mm-hmm. Now, when you write in your notepad tonight, you will write noise in the apartment and you will write a N against it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's nothing, not in your control, right? Hmm. Now, the next, the third thing that you would do is mm-hmm. every place you've got an end, you would strike it off, scratch it off physically, mm-hmm. draw a nice line across it. It feels really good cutting things out, you know, it, mm-hmm. like when you make a to-do list and you check it off, that's why it's really nice to make a physical to-do list. Because mm-hmm. every time you cross something off, it gives you more energy. You feel, ah, man, done. <laughs> All right. So mm. cross off all those items that you've got an in against. Mm, mm, mm. Now what you will find is that you're left with maybe one, two, three, or maybe even zero C's. Mm. And pat yourself on the back. Because now mm. you know exactly what are the things you can control. And mm. when you're monitoring this for seven straight days, you will come down to zero C's. Which means, it's not that your memory is failing, it means that you are in real time controlling what you can control because you're mindful that this is in my control when I'm going to write this in the night, I I don't have to write this because I can already do what I need to do about it. Hmm. And so every night you're going to sleep very well because everything that you could control, you had already controlled and what's Hmm. not in your control is scratched off. You will start yes. finding you're controlling a lot more things and you're not getting bothered by the things that are not in your control and just doing what's in your control. What's in your control is probably putting uh, uh, may- maybe nails on your curtains or uh, mm. putting a mattress against the window, which mm. um, reduces the noise. Mm. Do that. Yeah. 
So the brain, the mind, the conscious mind starts searching for possibilities when it's got this uh, uh, habit of writing down in the night uh, and it, it wants to be good. It wants to not have anything left on that paper. You know, yeah. no C's on that paper. Or uh, if there are N's, then they're all crossed out. So there's effectively nothing on the paper. Yeah, interesting. In a week, Come you'll on. change this. Okay, I'm going to try doing that from today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Great. Tell me, tell me Sandeep, as of course, you're, because you're working with uh, corporates a lot, tell me in terms of, do you think, of course, competitiveness is good in terms of getting yourself uh, maybe on the edge or, you know, pushing yourself to do better. Uh, do you agree that, you know, uh, we need uh, high competitiveness to do that? And do you think that perhaps could be one of the reasons trying to deliver all the time uh, responsible for the kind of uh, mental health deterioration that's happening in the corporate world? Yeah. A great point because we we seldom understand what uh, competition means. Hmm. Competition is different from comparison. Hmm. We tend to compare and that is very stressful. Hmm. Anytime you're comparing your performance with somebody else's or hmm. uh, your possessions with somebody else's or your productivity with somebody else's, you are uh, setting up either uh, the causes and conditions for being proud or for being uh, ashamed. And both these uh, are low-grade emotions, pride and shame. Mm -hmm. What we want to do... But, but I'm just going to yeah. button here, but isn't this what corporates mostly tend to do? That That's how they are, you know, that's how they're governed. That's how they're, that's how they grow. They feel that. Which is which is the pity, which is why we've got to look at how uh, senior managers and uh, top executives can mm. change that culture around, which is what renewal is about. Renew that culture mm. to mm. not comparing outside, but again, going inside. And the only competition is with yourself, which is where the Japanese approach of Kaizen comes in, where there is mm. continuous improvement from what you did the previous day. Mm -hmm. And if you are working with yourself and competing internally, you are just getting better both with uh, the people and with the process. Right. And when you're continually doing that, hmm. you're the, probably the only company doing that and you just get so good. I mean, the Japanese got so good. They were bombed out in 1945 and they were uh, exporting their cars to the whole world in 20 years. Wow. wow. So it's it's just a mentality of, it's not that the Americans produce better cars than we do, so we must uh, reverse engineer their cars and figure out what they're doing. No, it's just that like, okay, man, we know how to make cars. We've made tanks, we made all sorts of things. Let's just find out how to make it more aerodynamic. Let's find out how to make it more fuel efficient and just keep doing it a little better, a little better, a little better till General Motors suddenly finds itself uh, totally, um, I mean, its business is jeopardized, right? Then when GM out of its own corporate culture starts comparing, they find that they're uh, way behind Toyota. Hmm. Right. This is very interesting. Hmm. So it's hmm. all working within. The competition is inside. Hmm. This is very interesting. I'm going to take more not notes on this, post the podcast from you, uh, <laughs> talking about uh, General Motors and Toyota. But did, uh, you have worked in villages, uh, Sandeep. Do you see the mental health and lifestyle of people in villages much better than the one in the cities? Yes, I do. In fact, uh, for, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, you know, when I came down from the Himalayas, I discovered mm. that my purpose was to be away from this disturbing corporate world. And so I spent about mm. six years empowering uh, entrepreneurs and women in villages mm. and across the country, I've walked across more than 500 villages in 23 states of the country. And I find that the kind of security and happiness and um, uh, sense of well-being 
body, mind, spirit in all three terms that we have there is way more than in the city. I mean, there is no comparison. Which is strange because they're not exposed to the kind of knowledge that people in the cities are in terms of mindfulness and everything else. But then again, you see, we are intro- uh, we are introduced to a lot of concepts in the cities that uh, focus on the outside. Whereas uh, what we innately know when uh, we are in the villages, uh, for instance, is how we are connected with each other and inside and with nature. And mm. that gives us so much more power. You see, the entire ecosystem in a village is mm. built on uh, social camaraderie. Everybody is mm. everybody else's brother. Whereas chances are you wouldn't know your neighbor. If you're in a multi-story apartment, I don't know my neighbors, I confess. Mm. Mm. You know, so it's very different. My, my neighbor is the closest person that uh, there could be in, uh, in, in my vicinity. And I'm not blaming COVID for this. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's generally uh, the, the way it is in urban areas, even, even in uh, slums uh, where the villagers have come in and uh, uh, got together, they know each other much better than they do in uh, the, the apartments they work in. Right? Mm, yeah. And that's because they're retaining that culture of uh, connection and uh, interdependence, which gives rise to our uh, personal sense of uh, well-being, which is, mm. which is killed by our isolation and uh, silos in, uh, in urban areas. We are very connected with the people across the world because of technology, but uh, we are not connected with the people that we are capable of meeting and uh, exchanging pleasantries with on a day-to-day basis because they live around our building. Mm, true, true. That's, that's, that's true. where mental health problems come in from because we get isolated. We get separated from uh, our connection with nature and all, all uh, animals and plants and trees and other humans are part of that nature. We are connected with devices. We're connected with buildings. We're connected with cars. We're connected with... Um, a lot of inanimate stuff which doesn't have that energy. Mm, lovely. And then I love the title of your book, Arrive at Success. I think it's one of the most uh, beautiful titles I've heard. Uh, we have been debating a lot lately about the hustling <laughs> culture that we are living in where we constantly need to hustle our way through life. How do you sort of contradict that uh, with arriving at success? Thank you. You've done your research, Sujita. That was my first book. <laughs> Renewal is my more, more recent book. Uh, yeah. It came out last last year. And this year, uh, there's a book called Timeless that's coming out. Lovely. But yeah. Arrive at Success was because success is defined in that book. There's a formula for it. And uh, it's your oneness with nature, oneness with empowerment and oneness with wealth, which is in the sense of abundance. Hmm. And when you have uh, N-E-W, nature, empowerment and wealth uh, as part of your paradigm, then you, you you arrive at success. So the simple way of understanding this is uh, uh, the way Buddha put it once, he asked one of his disciples to fetch water from the lake Mm. and uh, the disciple found that a bullock cart had just uh, run through that part of the lake and so the water was muddy so he told the buddha that uh, it's muddy what do i do so the buddha said nothing then five Mm -hmm. minutes later the buddha says go and get me water and uh, the disciple was confused i just went there i mean what are you talking about but he went and he found that the water had cleared up Mm, and he got the water Hmm. And that's what uh, the teaching is, you know, that you don't have to do anything. You just have to be there and allow things to run their course. So if you are at the right station, you have already arrived because success is a journey. It's not a destination. And the station from the case of the Buddha was near the lake. 
if he wasn't at a lake probably he wouldn't have got the water mm. but so long as you are at the station you've already arrived now you just got to go through the journey enjoy the journey and be patient with it mm. so it's That's about lovely. knowing that your stations are your oneness with nature empowerment and wealth which kind of again takes us back to the previous point about villages they're so one with nature they're so one with their personal empowerments their their entire ecosystem works perfectly without uh, hierarchies and uh, matrix structures and all sorts of things and uh, they are in abundance you see those kids they they're playing in the gutters but uh, their eyes are twinkling hmm hmm Yeah, but uh, do you think, like someone just questioned me that as well? But you know, if we are, uh, does it bring a sort of complacency in in you and in some in someone who is, uh, you know, because this has been ingrained into our culture, hustling is being ingrained that you need to go out there and knock five hundred places, and in fact. you know like for example i'm a filmmaker so i need right. to you know go out there and uh, you know hustle my uh, hustle i i hate that word you know but yeah. trying to you know get my way through <laughs> to people and through a lot of things to get so many permutations and combinations uh, together if i don't do that you know uh, and that makes me a very impatient you know at times but if i do not do that then the work does not move to the next level same way people who are so used to you know uh, you know getting their names being trended on twitter or you know getting so many the youtube creators i know a couple of them who want certain figures of their youtube channel by the end of the month because you know that's what keeps their you know popularity and the cash flow as well if they don't do that that's not going to happen so how do you think a culture that thinks about and even functions in a way of you know constant you know knocking needed will get uh, adapted to something like you know something like vuve or something like you know just uh, let things be it won't uh, happen easily hmm. but um there is enough evidence in support of uh, allowing things to flow hmm. and it's it's essentially two things one is the way we are conditioned because of our education our uh, hmm. education and social conditioning hmm. in the last uh, 100 200 years it wasn't it wasn't this bad before that we were more with the flow we were more with um, our connectedness with the um, how things are and we we weren't very worse off um, this is a debatable subject i mean i i i love the way statisticians come up with figures uh, to support anything because mm. it just depends on what sample you take and uh, how you interpret it but uh, that that's one thing the education system and our edu- uh, and our social conditioning is one thing the mm. second is our ego for which we've got to really look at uh, why it is that we are hustling i'm not saying that it's uh, not going to be productive to not make those calls it is going mm. to be productive to make those calls Hmm. but it is going to be enjoyable to make those calls i don't know what the connotation of that word hustling is for uh, you hmm. but uh, i i would imagine that for many it is not driven by purpose hmm. it's it's something that you do you know you just get the numbers out you churn which yeah. sounds so dead that uh, you you're, you're actually living with a corpse doing that but if it is purposeful then it suddenly comes to life and it becomes effortless i'll give you an example i don't know why this example is coming to my mind but it comes from a mentor of mine from many years ago hmm. who uh, was a karate black belt hmm. and he s- s- asked me this uh, he said sandeep do you know how we break those bricks you you hmm. obviously all uh, our listeners would be familiar with the mm. karate chop right which yeah. goes through the bricks yeah. bam 
Yeah. And so I was uh, I was running my consulting company those days. I was very focused in I was a bright guy. Still, I am. I think. But I said, man, you focus. You 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 set a goal that that brick has to be broken. You set your intent and blah blah blah. And he said, uh, well, that's where you're wrong. I said, then what do you do? This guy is a black belt. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I never I never slammed my hand against a brick ever in my life. Not before, mm. not after. Mm. But this is what he told me theoretically, and he does it practically, obviously. He says you focus six inches below the brick, and then when you bring your hand down with that intensity, it just slices through the brick, because your purpose, your focus, your objective is beyond the brick. Mm. So your your goal of hustling is to be beyond the hustle. Mm, lovely. Mm. Otherwise, you break your head against the brick. Yeah, yeah. So add a purpose to your hustling to make it effortless is what you're saying. Pretty much well phrased. Thank you. <laughs> That's <laughs> lovely, Sandeep. I I love chatting with you, and I think it brought a certain amount of calmness that I was lacking since morning after having this conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being part of the podcast and sharing. yourself with us it was it was great having you thank you that sounds so nice to hear <laughs> oh i so thoroughly enjoyed this episode and i hope you guys did too there are three main takeaways for me here one being that take a break every hour and breathe in and breathe out for 30 seconds second is the take a note of your emotions throughout the day review it towards the end of the day and cancel what you cannot control this is going to have a true calming effect in your everyday existence and the third one is that combine your hustling with a purpose to make it effortless and i hate the word hustling but just to go with the flow yes everyone is hustling so combine that with a purpose So that's it folks so we're trying to get more regular we're trying to get back on our feet to bring you more amazing content so stay tuned follow us on the SOS show pod on Instagram and Facebook and you can find me on LinkedIn